0: You're listening to the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Now, the Top Woman Business Unusual Podcast. Learn from the greatest minds in business today. Interviews hosted by Ralph Fletcher. Learn how to improve business, get tips from industry leaders, and be motivated by real life experience. Woman. business unusual. A bit of background to you both. So Tabile Makala is the executive Eastern limb for Implats. Tabile is the executive responsible for Implats operations in the Eastern limb of the Bushfeld complex, where she has contributed significantly to the success of the group's mining operations in this region. Most notably, she oversaw 50% year-on-year safety improvement at Marula during financial year 2020. Tabil is a mining engineer with a Bachelor of Science degree in mining engineering, cum laude, and an MBA. She also holds a mine manager certificate of competency, as well as a mine overseer certificate of compet- competency, and has close on two decades of service in the mining industry. She's a member of the South African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy and the Institute of Directors in Southern Africa. As a director and chairperson of Women in Mining, South Africa, Tabile is a strong proponent of the advancement of women in mining and has been recognized globally for her work in this area. She is one of the 16 South African women featured in the 2018 list of top 100 global inspirational women in mining, compiled by the London-based nonprofit, Women in Mining UK. Thanks so much for joining us, Tabile. Thank you Fiona, (laughs) and Leanne your intro, Um, Leanne Samuel, Implats Group Executive People, is an experienced human resources professional with more than 18 years experience working across a variety of industries including industrials, mining, telecommunications and financial services. Before joining Implats she held senior human resources management positions at Nedbank, APSA, Telcom, and Goldfields. With a broad range of competencies, Leanne is an innovative, conceptual, and analytical thinker who is able to resolve complex matters effectively and efficiently. Among her notable achievements, Leanne has been awarded HR Practitioner of the Year while at Nedbank, South African Award Association SARA Award Practitioner of the Year at APSA, and Sarah, Reward Strategist of the Year at Goldfields. She holds a BA psychology degree and an honours degree in political science, both from the University of Joburg. So welcome, Leanne. Thank you so much, both of you, for your time. I'm really Thank looking forward to this conversation. To <laughs> so, tabili why the mining sector? What excites you about it? Sure. Oh, a lot excites me about the mining sector, here, and I
1: Actually, entered the mining industry as an 18-year-old matriculant.
0: Really? Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so for me, I think it was essentially the gem of curiosity that led me down this path. And the opportunity to be offered a bursary by Goldfields at the time just
0: really accelerated my career into the industry. That's amazing. So as an 18-year-old, I mean it's an you know, it's not a usual choice for a teenager. What was it? There's someone in your family. What was it that ignited that curiosity which actually has led to a career and a very, very good one at that? No, so there was not in my family. Um, it was due to
1: financial situations. So being raised by a single parent, I did yeah. him trick that, uh, you know, I needed to really up the game and assist at home. So I started, you know, um, looking at opportunities and where I could go after school. And engineering was, you know, high on the agenda, as I was quite interested in engineering. And having Mm -hmm. all the disciplines, mining was the one that attracted me the most. So that paid me the opportunity then to get the bursary um, at Goldfields. Uh, But the requirement was that I worked a year prior to going to university, so I think it was in that year of working underground. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, really? That
0: really wow. Interest. Yeah. That's amazing. That's incre- And, you know, what a, what a good choice. I mean, sometimes, you know, sometimes we spend our whole lives wondering what we're going to be when we grow up, and you knew pretty early on, so well done for that.
2: No, thank you. <laughs> and Leanne, what attracted you to HR? So, I, um, it's my passion and love for people, uh, but more importantly, um, transformational change. Um, and when I started my career at Nedbank, I did specialize in remuneration, which is a very specialist HR field, and um, working with um, incentive schemes, and rewarding and motivating the right kinds of behavior uh, became a key passion for my of mine, because uh, what I had realized that uh, organizational culture um, really does um, its premise on how you reward, incentivize, motivate, attract, and retain um, mm-hmm. workers. So. I um, w- when I started at Need Bank, I had already uh, become very deeply involved in diversity and inclusion and women empowerment. So we we had run a lot of uh, diversity and inclusion training. Um, it became a big part of the culture transformation initiatives, and um, I then focused on organizational development and organizational effectiveness. Um, to transform organizations. So um, I I looked at all kinds of um, incentives, um, training programs, HR programs, talent management and succession planning to um, to drive the development of uh, previously uh, disadvantaged individuals in South Africa, but with a very big focus on women. And um, when I got offered the opportunity to come into mining at um, at gold fields that was the one thing that tra- that really interested me was that mining was one of the least transformed industries at the time so this was uh, in in 2008 and whilst they had made a lot of headwinds um, the the transformational change required, especially from a woman uh, perspective, was very slow. So I saw that as an opportunity in terms of my my vision um, driving societal change, but through corporate South Africa. And um, we are are very proud of the work that we have been doing in, um, in the mining industry when it comes to to women empowerment and women development.
0: Thanks so much, Leanne. You've touched on a number of points that I'm going to ask you both to expand on. Um, In just the the upcoming minutes for the podcast, I'm going to throw open some questions uh, to both of you, and I'd really like both of you to comment on them as you see fit. how popular is the mining sector as a career choice for women in
2: South Africa? So I I, I don't think that it is incre- incredibly popular at the moment. Um, we have not spent um, enough time and energy to uh, develop a uh, a woman in mining value proposition whereby we can go to the universities and the schools and um, make mining a a, a career of choice. So, you know, mining is is seen to be quite a a, a difficult industry because it has been male-dominated for uh, for decades and there are reasons why it's been male-dominated. I mean, a lot of the the critical mining core positions uh, requires physical strength, you know, hard labour. And that's where we struggle to make inroads with regard to people wanting to go underground, working longer shifts, um, being away from their families and doing hard manual labour. But now that has changed because we are moving towards uh, a zero harm with regard to safety culture, and we are looking at more uh, at modernizing mines mechanization automation, which doesn't require the f- physical strength you know of of a male, so we are um, repackaging the value proposition to make mining a more attractive career choice for um for the girls and um, and um, future women leaders um, globally
0: thank you lian and to so just um, I'd like your opinion on that and also what do you think we can do to encourage more women to choose mining as a career thank you so I think Lianne uh, you know has articulated
1: quite well of all the engineering disciplines Mining is really the least attractive. And um, I think in terms of marketing, the career, uh, the STEM career within the mining industry, there's still a lot of work to be done. But again, you know, when you when you look at organizations within the mining industry, you quickly see the, I wouldn't say the lack of transformation and diversity, but it's still there. And that could be a detractor. You know, you don't want to enter an industry or start a career where you can quickly see, you know, that your chances of progression uh, may be limited to the unconscious biases that will play themselves out as we enter that industry. But mm-hmm. so I believe that a lot of marketing around mining as a career and the other opportunities within the mining industry, we still need to do a lot of work um, in that regard. And I think mining organizations do well in terms of attracting women engineers into the organization, uh, the challenge comes with the retention and promotion of women within the organisation. That is a challenge. If the environment is not enabling, uh, it becomes a challenge. You know, you're working shifts. Um, infrastructure is not in place. You soon realise that you know maybe I can work um, at another you know institution in another industry where the environment is enabling. So I mm-hmm. do believe that we need to ensure that our environment is enabling for female. Mining engineers or female professionals within the mining industry to progress. And as Leanne said, you know, the mining industry was developed by men for men. And we need to start engaging men into the conversation of diversity so that we can retain women in the industry, um, you know, for them to to progress. Mm.
0: So it's a it's a question of attracting like maybe uh, marketing, as you were saying. Really good marketing campaign, a really good bursaries. And then once the women do join, um, then it's a man, um, matter of retaining them and making sure that uh, the environment is conducive to them wanting to stay. Because I mean, you know, we need engineers in South Africa. Um, it's a really important qualification. And um, it's really important, I suppose, to make the mining sector, an attractive one where people will want to stay and not take their um, important qualification elsewhere. Absolutely. So, um, just as a kind of a matter of interest, um, what is the percentage of women employed underground in admin positions and in management at implants I mean, I'm, I don't know whether you have those numbers at your fingertips or if you have just an idea of percentage.
2: Um, So, I I can give you at group level, and um, IMPLATS has operations in Zimbabwe, Canada, and then South Africa, with the bulk of our workforce in South Africa. We employ about 63,000 employees, um, and of the 63,000 employees, 50,000 are our own employees, 13,000 are contractors. So across the group, we're currently sitting at eleven percent female representation. Um, in um, at that set group level. In South Africa, it's 12% um, of female representation. And then at in, within the management level, we've got about twenty four percent female representation in South Africa and twenty two percent across the group. Uh, we would like to increase that, and we have set 2025 20, and 2030 targets um, to increase it. But as Tabilia has said, there are challenges with um, increasing the, um, the targets because we have to also take into account the availability of skills in the, the countries that we operate in, and also cultural um, nuances. For example, in Zimbabwe, you know, we've got very uh, few female um, workers, uh, but we've we've already started um, putting targets in place in Canada and in Zimbabwe to align them more to what we have achieved in South Africa. So, if you if you think about women representation in the global mining workforce, it currently sits between eight and seventeen percent, um, and and we are twelve percent. We'd like to increase that over the next three years to fifteen percent, and we have um, developed plans at all levels within our organisation to ensure that we increase representation. But the bulk okay. of our women are still in your support um, services functions, admin functions. Um, when you go into core cool mining and engineering roles, the 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 numbers start to drop quite significantly.
0: Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Um just and a kind of a follow-on, so Are you able to describe the gender diversity and inclusion strategies at IMPLATS to improve these numbers? Tapile? have you got a comment on that? Yes. So, IMPLATS has made quite a
1: concerted effort in terms of diversity and inclusion strategies. So, we first look at our policies to ensure that our policies do not discriminate and ensure that everyone is accounted for. Also, as part of our strategy is that we do look at data and we see what the data is telling us. Um, and following from that data, we're then able to make informed decisions about um, diversity and uh, inclusion. We have also commenced at implants with gender mainstreaming. Uh, this is happening at all, our, all of our operations uh, where we've got um, forums where we address issues of gender, diversity and inclusion and addressing challenges for both men and women within the group. Also looking at succession, uh, when you look at the board, for example, the IMPLATS board, you will see that for for some time IMPLATS was made by a male chairperson and, you know, for the first time IMPLATS is actually chaired by a female uh, chairperson. So those are all different strategies that IMPLATS has implemented in terms of looking at diversity and inclusion. Because it starts at the top, setting the tone at the top, and then it cascades down into the organization.
0: Always. Definitely. That's 100% true. Um, and uh, you mentioned just earlier uh, when we were talking about uh, looking forward and plans, the whole um, AI and mechanization, um, what are the plans there? Uh, will that impact on the diversity and inclusion plans in terms of the skills needed to operate those at machinery and technology? No, absolutely. Okay. Oh, Sorry, oh, Leanne. No,
1: so before <laughs> Leanne goes in, absolutely. I think without a doubt, you know, technology mechanization are great enablers for diversity and inclusion. Because mm-hmm. for the first time, as Leanne alluded, it's no longer about physical strength, but it's yeah. also about mental capacity. It's about mm-hmm. remote which is work that women can easily do and are very skilled at and also when we look at the future of work and what technology uh, and innovation you know will bring about it affords us an opportunity to put women in those positions and get those skills from women thereby increasing diversity and inclusion within the organization
0: Mm. yes i see it as a really exciting uh, game changer yeah you
2: were going to comment no, um I, I agree with everything uh, that Tabilia has said, uh, but um, there the are also um, negative perceptions with regard to um, automation, mechanisation, modernisation in the mining industry uh, because it is a labor intensive um, environment. and the years by many stakeholders, that by introducing new technologies into the workplace would then um, create a platform for, um, for job losses, you know, retrenchment. So we, we have to look at it within that context as well as the broader macro environment in which we operate. Um, given the socioeconomic economic challenges that we have, which has been exacerbated by, uh, by COVID. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, with regard to unemployment, um, especially in South Africa and Zimbabwe, unemployment rates are very high. And with, um, with um, industries being severely impacted by COVID, um, unfortunately, women have been the most impacted, you know. So, you if you look at the global stats, um, far more women have lost their jobs um, than men. So so it's about going back and looking at how do we make the environment a conducive one? Because it's not only around attracting uh, women into the environment, but we have to start addressing the, the challenges with regard to... Um, most of the things that has mentioned because retention is going to become critically important when we move into um, modernization, mechanization, automation because for us, it's not only about retaining the skills but there is going to be a war for talent within mining because every single mining company have set big hairy audacious goals yeah. with regard to increasing the woman representation yeah. but the, the pools um, from which we draw those skills then becomes you know we all, we all recruiting from the same pools. Um, so we have to look at um, career uh, advancement, progression, development succession planning remuneration and incentives for women to ensure that we are able to retain them and it needs to be um, it needs to be at a deeper level you know I I, I think um, for for years and and I'd love to get toabil's view on it you know we've just been um, dealing with women in mining. At a very superficial level, you think you put a bandaid on the wound and the wound is going to, to uh, disappear. But I still maintain that within mining, there is a um, major structural transformation, transformational change that needs to happen. This is not just putting a bandaid on a wound. We need to think about it differently.
0: I'd love to hear from you, Tabile. No,
1: absolutely. It, it, has, it has been artificial, maybe a bit harsh, but it has been about artificial change. We need systemic change mm-hmm. and not arrived at. And until our decision makers buy in into the idea of diversity, inclusion and making change, I think the road to systemic change is really going to be a hard one. And we're not there yet. We, you know, we've made progress, but absolutely not there yet.
0: And what do you see as possible drivers to ensure that that change happens um, from, at a leadership level, decision-making, policy-making? Yeah. So as I said, you know, it
1: starts at the top. It starts at board level where they set yeah. the tone It's the CEO who also needs to cascade that accountability down into the organization. Mm -hmm. But for me, you know, change will happen when our male counterparts, you know, buy in into the idea that the industry needs to transform. Uh, When they are honestly involved in the conversation, that's when we are going to see change. Because unfortunately, you know, amongst ourselves as females within the industry, we we can set the strategies. But when it comes to the implementation of the strategies, we are definitely going to need their assistance to make Mm -hmm. that change.
0: Definitely. Um, I'd like to just pick up on something that Leanne said a bit earlier about the pool, the shrinking of the pool, uh, the talent pool. So do you think that this kind of would then, we were talking about marketing, etc., for the mining sector. Um, do you think then that marketing should actually start at school level where you then are going to actually grow your pool um, and make sure that you have the talent to choose from. No, absolutely. Um, Funny enough, yes. I was reading a, a, a report by McKenzie this
1: morning stating oh. why we're actually leaving the industry. Um, it was a very insightful article. But as okay. far as the pool is concerned, you know, mining the mining industry and mining companies catch the pool at university level, but they're yes. too late. Exactly. STEM yeah. careers, STEM education is actually being introduced at primary school level as we speak. So yeah. At primary school level, where the curiosity is still there, um, Mm -hmm. build on it at high school level. Go and market what the mining industry is about, STEM careers industry, at a high school level. So we are chatting from there, and we feed that pool at Varsity. We sponsor um, the bursaries 50-50 split between our males and female bursars, and then we get them into the organization. I think that's how we're going to build the pool. But if yeah. we we're going coaching from each other and you know, I think we've missed the boat.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: 100. Fiona, um, we we do uh, participate in many uh, school programs at all of our operations. Yeah. So when we when we talk about diversity and inclusion and women representation, it is part of a broader strategy, but not human resource strategy. It's mm-hmm. part of our broader sustainability strategy, right? So wh- what are all of the levers that we need to have in place to ensure that we have a sustainable business into the future? So uh, in mining, we've moved away from just safe production. There are other things that we we need to focus on, and it's around ESG. So we have mm-hmm. to build an ESG strategy for the group which looks at environmental, social, and governance. And um, that encompasses diversity within the company, but also within the broader community. So we have social performance strategy, and our social performance strategy is to uplift the communities um, where we operate. And uh, as part of our social performance strategy, Education is a key pillar of that strategy. And we partner with um, the local municipalities, local government, provincial government, um, the, the traditional leaders like in, in Rastenburg, the Royal Bafokeng Nation is a major stakeholder of ours because they own the land on which we mine. So we have um, programs for learners, um, which includes early childhood development. Um, We do lots of mentoring and tutoring of the learners uh, from primary school to high school. And we also um, provide support to the educators, the teachers, as well as the principals. And there are a number of schools in Rustenburg, for example, there are 33 schools that we sponsor. But um, to be uh, being the chief person of women in mining in South Africa, uh, they have also um, embarked on an initiative to do a career booklet, which will be um, then communicated and shared at school level and at university level. But going forward, we do want to increase the percentage of. Um, uh, uh, kids in the school to focus more on um, on girl learners, and then also to who we give our bursaries, um, and we'd also like to expand from just being the STEM careers to also arts and other occupations that supports the mining industry. So we would like to have a more skewed distribution of bursaries, learnerships um, and school support for for women. But now uh, when we talk about diversity and inclusion, I think we need to understand what diversity and inclusion means. And and I like to use the analogy of um, going to a party and being invited to a party. You can be invited to a party. You can have a seat at the table and you could be asked to dance on the dance floor. Then it embraces diversity and inclusion. But when you are just invited to the party and you sit at the table and you're not asked to dance, that only captures the diversity part, it doesn't capture the inclusion part. And with all of these uh, awareness campaigns and training, we would like to focus more on inclusion because it's not just about diversity. The, the meat is really in the inclusive nature of the work environment.
0: Thanks, Ian. I'm stuck. As you're talking, I was wondering do you have these uh, programs in areas where you aren't based? So, do you only um, go into the schools um, in the areas in which you you mine, or do you have a strategy that works right across the country?
2: Tabi, do you want to answer that? Sure. So,
1: Fiona, I think priority. Our priority is around the communities within which we operate. So we give priority in terms of sponsoring those schools and sponsoring those students mm-hmm. but we progress you know you'd want to look at your labor sending areas and see how you can also influence um, and, yeah. and contribute in that regard so I think yeah. it's a strategy where we start with the immediate communities and then yeah. we're to labor sending and the wider um, environment and community
0: Thank you and I just one last thing to pick up on um, was the career booklet is that focused on the mining uh, career choices and uh, as like an inf- information booklet to help the, the students kind of make their choices?
1: No, absolutely. It is to help the students make their choices, but also to just market and advertise on what else is out there. So it's not just about engineering. Within yeah. the mining yeah. industry, you can work in finance and what that entails. Within the mining industry, you can work in HR and what it entails. So we want to cover the whole value chain of mining from exploration, you know, right through sales, marketing, um, and so that we, we get
0: uh, everyone interested in a, a career in the mining industry. That's great. That's, uh, yeah, that's a, a really a fine initiative. Um, just as a point of interest, the platinum sector is one of the few that has shown impressive growth during COVID. Why do you think this is? To be do you want to take that and then, Leanne? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, to be honest, uh, the, the,
1: the, the economics assisted, you know, the, the resources industry a great deal. I think yeah. you can't away from that, that the prices were good, but also for you to be able to play within, you know, the, the, the industry, you also need to produce. So I think a combination of great performance from the organization, great production safety performance, which was further complemented by the great prices, really did enable the resources sector to flourish within the past financial year.
0: Yeah, it was really impressive because I was looking across um, the primary, secondary, and tertiary sectors, and platinum would just shot the lights. I mean, just it was a growth right across the board, and many of the other sectors were just like really sad, you know, uh, huge losses, so congratulations to your sector, Leanne, do you want to
2: comment on that? Yeah, I think we were we were very lucky. Um, we do operate um, in a very cyclical um, environment, and we are price takers, so we don't determine the price at which our metals are sold. Um, unfortunately for us, um, you know, we have very short summers and very long winters. So um the, the previous seven years before we <laughs> were in a in a down cycle. <laughs> like Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. So so fortunately the universe or whatever came <laughs> to our rescue because uh the commodity price just started to turn as we went into COVID. So we were very fortunate because um we were, and the, and the government, and our stakeholders were very supportive during COVID. Even with the lockdowns, um, we we were still able to operate and to sell our metals. But because we've got our own ecosystem, one day you need to visit our minds so that you understand. Uh, we we actually run as though we are a little country. You know, we provide water to the communities, we provide power, we, um, we build roads, we build schools, we build community halls, we have clinics and hospitals, but we have a major hospital in Rastenburg. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've got a very strong medical team with about 800 healthcare workers and, and they are all predominantly women. All of our healthcare workers are predominantly women. But we were at the forefront of COVID-19. And we worked very closely with the Department of Health, um, you know, putting protocols in place, um, supplying um, medical equipment, PPE to the community hospitals. um, And we did lots of um, like uh, food parcels and community relief. But internally, as well, we were able to, um, uh, you know, build the awareness around COVID, put the protocols in place and continue to operate even within the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm pleased to to say that Implats was the first mining company that got um, its vaccination site approved. And we have been vaccinating our employees, as well as the community members and the smaller mines around the area. So, you know, if if ever it was a great time to work for in the mining industry, where we are really at the forefront of things, now is the time because we've really, really made a material societal difference during this time. So we've said, whilst we are uh, making profits and things are going well, let's focus on our stakeholders, on our communities. We don't only only want to comply. We want to go beyond compliance because for us, transformation is a strategic business imperative. And that's why we are looking at beyond compliance uh, initiatives with uh, the schools, with uh, Women in Mining. Uh, We participate in like the Standard Bank top women initiative in many initiatives uh, between um, myself, Tbilia and Karla, uh, together with the other executives, we we really, really are very passionate about increasing the the women representation numbers at implants. Thank you so much, Leanne. I'm just interested, um, how did
0: COVID impact on your role and responsibilities at IMPLATS? Sure, you know, um, know, (laughs) COVID was one of those challenging
1: moments in one's career because you were faced with a situation with a lot of ambiguity. And within that space, decisions had to be made, Mm creation to continue, lives had to be saved. So it was a constant state of regulations being updated, how you respond to those regulations. But for me, most importantly, when it came to COVID and the response to the workforce, it was really about really being empathetic because you, you realize you know, that here you are dealing with, with humans um, who are going through you know, the most um, and we had to meet them where they were at. So a lot of empathy had to come through, uh, really had to engage with our employees, really find out how they are. Their well-being, their mental health, because a lot of a lot of our employees did get impacted. So COVID really was a challenging time um, for for us leaders, um, you know, because we had to lead differently. Um, it was about getting results, but also really looking after the human side. But you know, it it, it was one of those moments where the industry did come out um, very well and uh, did a lot, as Leanne has uh, has said, in terms of of trying to to fight um, the COVID pandemic.
0: Okay, that's great. I'd like to ask a question uh, and ask you both to answer it. Um, what have been some of your major milestones in your careers? Um, so I'll go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I've been very passionate,
1: you know, that I've entered the industry, which firstly I'm very passionate about and, uh, you know, and, I've, you know, purpose, uh, there's a purpose for I am in the industry. So, it's not like I went looking for, for the recognition, but I think being recognized as, uh, you know, one of the top 100 uh, women, inspirational women in mining was quite, you know, something that one, one can be proud of. Um, and just a couple of weeks ago, also being announced as one of the top 50, um, you know, women in South Africa by the Mail and Guardian is also, you know, was quite uh, uh, an, an achievement for me. Also again, in recognition of, of the work that we continue to do in the industry in terms of making sure that, you know, the industry is a representative industry and that everyone feels included, you know, within the space that they work in.
0: That's fantastic and congratulations.
1: No,
2: thank you. <laughs> Moving to Leanne. I, I think uh, what I'm most proud of is that um, I, I've always um, been able to... To drive change in in organizations. Um, and from a very young age, I mean, I was the, the youngest executive um, to be appointed at Goldfields, and I was the only female executive um, on the executive committee at Goldfields. And when I came into to IMPLATS as well, there were very few women. Um, and I think my my proudest moment in my career was when we were able to transform our board and our executive committee. And um, sitting here today, I I think I can confidently say that the IMPLATS board and executive committees are the most transformed leadership um, committees in the mining industry. I don't think any of the other mining companies have achieved what we have. At um, at board level and executive level, and I am um, very privileged to uh, work with lots of very smart, competent, dynamic females, and we have been able to drive the change that we want to see in the world, and um, and 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 that makes my heart happy. So I'm very delighted in where my career has. Been and we and the differences that we will still continue to make. Thank you. That's
0: inspirational from both of you. I mean, just as a, as a kind of an aside. Uh, how do you both relax? Uh, <laughs> do <relaxed. Stop>. <laughs> no, you relax?
1: Relax. relaxed. So I'm an avid reader, so I love reading a lot. Oh i like taking a book with me on holiday or during the weekends uh, and just reading a couple of leadership books um,
0: you know do you, do you do you have the physical copy uh you yes. like physical oh, no, books no. me too. yeah no, i've got the physical one i've got the kindle but it didn't work out <laughs> yeah no, i'm the same i'm also big on the yeah on page turning actual page turning no, Do you have absolutely. any favorites that you're busy with at the moment or any ones that have, like, really impacted on you? Any books? Fiction, sure. non-fiction? Yeah, no, I read a lot. So I think for me
1: the one that comes to mind is definitely The Alchemist. Um, ah. full-time okay. Oh, we are both big. Tubby, that's my favorite book of all time <laughs> yeah, that has to be my old time um and also robin Sharma, uh, you know leader leads without a title um uh, also for me one of my favorite um and uh, currently now i am reading the ceo next door
0: so oh, yeah that's interesting wow thank yeah. you for that and leanne how do you relax
2: I am a, I'm a very active person, I run, I, um, I train uh, three days a week with a personal trainer and I do rock climbing and I hike as well. So I've got a very um, active um, lifestyle, so I do make sure that I do find work-life balance. I also love my quizzes, I do quizzes all of the time and I play Sudoku. Um, and then aside from that, I do read and I love Netflix. Yes. I think Netflix is really, apart from Zoom, Netflix (laughs) has
0: really become part of everyone's survival strategy. (laughs) All right. That's great. Thank you. Um, we're nearly nearing the end of this. It's been a really lovely conversation but i just want to take us to the top women conference where we'll be discussing why women are key to economic transformation and sustainable development and just to get your perspectives on why you feel that's true and what we can do to make sure that it actually happens okay so so i'll go
1: um so i'm looking you know very forward to to the conference um and for I think there's very strong interconnections between women economic empowerment, diversity and sustainability. You know, as as far as I'm concerned, I think a prerequisite for sustainable development is ensuring that our women are economically empowered. And, you know, study after study will tell you that when you empower women, you actually empower an economy because women are the very people who take the income and plow it back into the communities Um, and into their families, you know, thereby empowering everyone around them. So, you know, I'm looking forward to the discussions there because I definitely believe that more can be done to empower women on the social side, economic side, and especially on the political side, so that they elevate into those political positions and are able to make decisions um, on behalf of a wider community.
0: That's lovely. I look forward to the discussion. I really do, too. Um,
2: Leanne? I, I, I do think that um, women are, are nurturers. We are builders. We are mothers. We are protectors. Um, we are cautious with the way we we view the world because we 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 aim to preserve and to protect. And I think um, women coming into Um, the corporate space and being financially empowered does create a lot more stability and securities in um, societies. Um, And I think women play a fundamental role in um, the economic sustainability of our households, our communities, and then um, societies at large. I don't believe, though, that it should be a man's world or it should be a woman's world. I think we, are, um, we, we should learn how to work together to complement each other and to not want to compete, you know, because I think um, together we can achieve so much more. It doesn't have to be an us and them. Um, women are very good at building up. We don't break down. We build up. And um, the the way we go about things just means that you know we can contribute to a safer, healthier, and more productive world and economy. So yes, we 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 know how to contribute, but I think we can help to make things a lot more sustainable over time.
0: Thank you so much for
2: that. I'm now like at the penultimate uh,
0: question. Um, What exciting plans do you both have for the upcoming year? End on a positive note. (laughs) Do you want to go, Tabile? Sure. Um,
1: So I'm very excited about this year, um, both from a professional perspective as well as a personal perspective. So in the industry, we start... Um, Of looking on the the business side, our financial year in June to July. So professionally looking forward to all the innovation and technology projects that we are implementing at one of the operations that I look after, which is Marula, because that's where we are definitely going to be able to see the impact of of technology and what it can do to the organization and the bottom line. Um, I'm looking forward to us overcoming uh, uh, COVID, you know, with max vaccination uh, so that people can go back you know, to doing some of the activities that they were doing prior to COVID, um, so that people can relax um, and, you know, get out of the state of of anxiety that most of us find ourselves in. So I'm looking forward to that. Just uh, health and prosperity on the
2: business, as well as personal Lovely. Thank you. And Leanne? Uh, I am looking very forward to some of our social projects that we are about to launch, which is um, going beyond compliance and making um, higher social impacts with higher returns on investment. So that's a very exciting space uh, to be in at the moment. And then also to the ongoing development of our organisation, um, and um, to to lead some of the organisational changes that needs to happen. So the company that we are today may be um, a little bit different um, when we look ahead in a year from now. And then on the personal side also just to continue to um, beat COVID and to uh, be able to travel some more um, uh, hopefully that will happen and I've just started uh, Spanish lessons so in a year from today I hope that I will be able to speak Spanish. And to go to Spain and I'm going to Spain,
0: yes. Lana, wonderful. That that's sounds like so yes. Well that's great, you're putting your building blocks in place. Yes. <laughs> That's wonderful. Okay, guys, it's been really lovely. I'm just going to end off now with asking you if you could both uh, give a message to um, the young women out there who are probably struggling to survive, struggling to maintain optimism. If you could just um, send some words of support, that would be lovely. Tabile, do you want to go? Yeah, sure. Um, So... The last passing shot would be, you know,
1: to the ladies out there, um, as we enter our careers, we do find challenges. But it is important to run that race. You need to remember why you started and, and run that race. You, know, you must stay the course. And it's absolutely vital that you finish strong. Uh, because, you know, we are there for a reason. Um, and if we are not the change makers, then we can't expect other people to be those change makers.
2: Lovely. Thank you. And Leanne? Stay positive believe in yourself, you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. The sky is really the limit. And don't see um, failure as failure, but accept it as part of your learning and growth journey. Knowledge is power. Be curious, be courageous and be bold. Uh, Believe in yourself and love yourself. It's going to be a wonderful journey
0: really wonderful thank you both so much i've loved the conversation and i look forward to seeing you at the at the conference and hopefully we'll speak again soon it'll be really great thank you oh,
2: thank you thanks fiona thanks thanks you thank you very much Christina. thanks to Bye-bye. Bye bye